Well, good morning, Cedar Creek Church. My name is Wes, and I am one of, thank you for that. Uh, I am one of the pastors here at Cedar Creek, and uh, normally on Sundays, I'm hanging out over at the West Campus, uh, Cedar Creek Church West over at the YMCA. And if you're new this morning, I just want to say welcome, just want to say thanks for being here. Whether you're here at, uh, at the Banks Mill Campus, whether you're at the West Campus or up on the Ridge at one of our physical locations, or whether you're just joining us online this morning through one of the social media platforms, however you're connecting with Cedar Creek Church, we are excited and honored that you're here this morning. Now, if you're new, let me just tell you, today is a little bit different from a normal Sunday. Uh, normally at this time in our service on a Sunday, what, would you, what you would see is our senior pastor, Philip Lee, uh, would come out and he would be communicating, teaching, preaching, sharing a message with us. Uh, but this week is a little different because as many of you know, uh, last Friday morning, Pastor Philip had some, uh, some surgery. It was a follow-up to some surgery that he had a few weeks before, and uh, I will just tell you that I'm, I'm pleased to report um, that he is resting, that he is, his pain is being managed, and uh, they told him it would be three to five days before he would get to go home, and uh, probably about 10 days before we would hear anything um, back from pathology about what they did or didn't find, and uh, so we're praying. I want to ask you to continue to pray for him, for the family as he recovers. We're praying that there's no cancer there, nothing in the lymph nodes. He doesn't need any further treatment, any of that, uh, so that is how you can be praying uh, specifically, and let me just add this. Um, I asked for permission, but I didn't get it. I'm going to say it anyway. Pray for uh, Terry, Miss Terry, his wife, because she said this morning he was a bit, the word was cantankerous. Uh, he hasn't been allowed to eat yet, and um, so he's been like on clear liquids, fluids, that kind of thing. Uh, so cantankerous, for those of you that maybe uh, migrated down here from the north, uh, that means he's um, grouchy, grumpy. There you go. Thank you. Our northern friends helping me out this morning. Um, I'm from the South, and so cantankerous makes perfect sense to me. I know what that means. But uh, today, I have the opportunity to be here to share with you, to wrap up a series that we've been in uh, for the last uh, month called Unleashing Your Generosity. And, and I'm going to do that today. And over the next couple of weeks, as Pastor Philip recovers, uh, the campus pastors or their designees at each of the campuses are going to be filling in uh, and sharing in a different series of messages. And then uh, the plan right now is that June, I think it's the 27th, is that Sunday? Uh, Pastor Philip will be back to kick off our summer series that we're going to be looking at the parables of Jesus. And so, um, we're excited about that. But today, I get to wrap up this series that we've been in for the last month. And uh, it is called Unleashing Your Generosity. And really, the whole goal behind this series was to um, help our people understand what it means to be generous. Uh, we, we've examined God's word and we've, we've looked at what it means to, to live a life of generosity, to live a life of giving, of using the gifts and talents, the time, talents, and treasures that God has blessed us with to, to uh, benefit and bless other people. We've discovered over the past few weeks that generosity doesn't just mean money, right? Uh, we started off by talking about this foundation that everything belongs to God, it's all his, and, and, and because of that, everything that we have, he has given us and blessed us with, and we are stewards, we are managers of that stuff, time, talent, treasure, resources, all of that, and we're to use that for his glory. We've been exploring what the Bible says about this topic. Here's what we've learned. God is a giver, right? The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We, this is what we, uh, uh, the heart of everything that we focus on at Cedar Creek Church is the message of Jesus, the good news of who he is and what he has done. God is a giver and we are made in his image. And because of that, we should reflect the heart of God by being generous, by giving to other people. Now, um, let me just say this. As a church, 
we don't talk about this a whole lot, this issue of money, and, and it's intentional. I'll tell you why. Because this church was founded, um, hard to believe, almost 29 years ago, um, to reach unchurched people. And at that time, and even some today, unchurched people, those that don't know Jesus, those that don't have a relationship with God, those that don't have a church home, um, one of the reasons why they don't go to church is because they have this feeling and perception, uh, often not unwarranted, that uh, churches only are interested in their money, right? Maybe you've experienced this in your own life. And, and so because of that, we made it a core value that we weren't gonna beat people over the head about money. But what we do wanna do is we want to, um, we want to teach what the Bible has to say about how we steward and manage the resources that God gives us. So um, if you are here for the first time, <laughs> or if you are here maybe for the first time in a long time, and you've walked in the door and you thought, or you've logged in this morning and you thought, great, here I am coming for the first time or back for the first time, and they're talking about money. Well, let me just tell you this. Um, yes, we're gonna talk about money today, but if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're a guest here this morning, hear me say this, we're, we're not interested in your money. We don't want anything from you. This is really gonna be a message, uh, particularly for those of us who claim to follow Jesus. And so if that's not you this morning, or if you're just here checking out this church thing, checking out this uh, Jesus thing, we don't want anything from you. I'm not gonna make any asks today. I'm not gonna call for any pledges, not gonna have anybody come down front or, or put it in the chat online about how much you plan to give or any of that. All right, deep breath and exhale. We got that out of the way, right? What I am going to do, though, is I'm going to give us some thoughts uh, about why you and I and we should live a life of generosity, how we can unleash our generosity and live to give is what I've called this message today. How do we learn, especially those of us who follow Jesus, how do we live to give? I want us to put aside misconceptions, maybe some false ideas that we have about biblical giving. And really what God's plan is for the stuff that he blesses us with. So let me first confess this. I am not a financial expert, all right? Disclaimer. Uh, I am a product of the Georgia public school system. No offense to the great teachers that I had in Georgia. Um, I just am not good at the maths, as they say. Uh, in college, the only two math classes I had to take were uh, Math 151, which was college algebra, squeaked out with a C minus. Thank you. Um, and statistics using a computer. Back then, young people in the mid-80s, that was a big deal. Computers were not what they are today, let's just say. The only class that I ever dropped in college was accounting. I wish I had stuck that one out, but I dropped it to go fishing. Those of you that know me, uh, that makes perfect sense. Uh, while I'm not a financial expert or wizard, I will tell you this. The years that I have been... Um, following Jesus. I, I've made a lot of financial mistakes, probably all the financial mistakes that you could make in your life, but I've also learned some things about how to handle money God's way. Through trial and error, through a lot of pain, uh, my, myself, my wife, my family, we have learned um, to be generous, to unleash our generosity and live to give. And we've learned this one key concept about God. It is impossible to outgive God. You can't do it. You can never outgive God. God is a giver and he has already given us more than we could ever ask for or need, right? In the person and work of Jesus. 
Part of my story um, and the story of my family, for those of you that don't know me, is um, I walked away from a career uh, in federal law enforcement eight years before I could retire. Uh, took a 40% cut in pay. When I said yes to the call to ministry, I didn't know what I was gonna be making, so I had no idea what that was gonna look like. Um, but I will tell you that I'm in better financial shape today. We, we give more than we ever have, we have saved more than we ever have, and we have, have uh, paid off more debt, and we have less debt today than we did back then. It doesn't make sense, and I don't tell you that to brag. I'm not telling you that to make anything of me or my family or any of that. I just tell you that because I want you to understand that you can trust God in every aspect of your life, especially when it comes to money. So let me jump in this morning. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you have a Bible with you, uh, you can turn there. If you have an app, if you're like me, you love the Bible app, you can click there. Uh, if you're, um, you don't have a Bible uh, at all of our campuses, I want you to know we have Bibles available if you need one, or we'll help you go to guest services. We'll help you download the app so that you can begin to study and interact with God's Word. Uh, but that's where we're going to be, 2 Corinthians 9. The important verses that we're going to look at today are going to be on the screens, uh, and you have uh, a lot of this on the programs that you got if you're at a physical location uh, when you came in this morning. Message notes should be online as well. The Apostle Paul, Paul was a guy that wrote uh, most of the New Testament. He planted a lot of the early churches, and one of those churches was in a city called Corinth. And 2 Corinthians is the second letter that he wrote to this church in Corinth. Now, Corinth was uh, a Greek city that was kind of halfway between Athens and Sparta, all right? And it's still, there's, a, there's actually a Corinth today that's about four or five miles from the original location. But this, this is a real city, it actually happened, and, and Paul has written a couple of letters to this church, and we have those in our Bible. The people of Corinth had some problems. <laughs> they were, um, let's just say, Christians gone wild, right? Uh, kids, uh, they were cray-cray, right? They um, were wilding out. All right, They were not living in such a way that honored God. And so Paul writes these letters to them to say, you guys are messed up. And, and, and you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. And in this second letter, he's, he's addressing some of the issues that he, that he addressed in, in the first letter. And he gets into comparing the old covenant of the law with the new covenant of faith in Jesus and the differences in those. And, and he basically re-preaches the gospel to the church at Corinth. Paul is convinced that be, because of the way that they're acting, they haven't really received this message of Jesus and they're not really walking in step with the true gospel, the true good news of who Jesus is and what he has done. So this is where we pick it up. In the middle of his second letter, he challenges them to live generously, and this is what he says, beginning in verse six. Paul says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart, it's important, how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, Paul goes back to the Old Testament. This is in Proverbs. He says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. 
For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift. Too wonderful for words. So, so the church in Jerusalem has fallen on hard times. There's actually a, a famine that's going on and, and they're in tremendous need. And so Paul has put out an appeal to the churches that he has planted. These are churches outside of the Jewish world. They're largely non-Jew uh, congregations of people, Greeks and that sort. And, and he has asked them to collect an offering so that he can bring it back to Jerusalem to help the church there. Well, because of the tension that exists between Paul and this Corinthian church, they haven't, they haven't done anything. They haven't collected anything. They haven't made any effort to help out with this release, relief gift. And, and it just says to Paul that maybe they're not really following Jesus. So Paul says, we should live a life. And they, he says to them and he says to us, we should live a life of generosity and we should live to give. Why? Why, why should I give? Why should you give? Why should we give at all? What is, the, what is the purpose of giving and being generous? Well, I'll tell you this. First of all, to put God first in our lives. Giving financially is all about putting God first in our lives. In the Old Testament, you see this, um, this thing called a tithe, right? And it was a requirement uh, for the people to give one-tenth, that's literally what tithe meant, was one-tenth to God as a demonstration of faith. And it was intended to teach God's people to put God first. And so we see this in Deuteronomy 14, 23. It says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God in your lives. Now, let me just say this. Tithing is not a New Testament obligation or requirement for Christians. You say, what? Let me say that again. Tithing, giving 10% is not a requirement. It is not uh, something that we are required to do as Christians. Now, I know that some of you give, many of you give, this is a generous church, and you call it tithing. And, and maybe you do, maybe, maybe you give 10%. Here's the thing. By the time we get to the New Testament, when we get to the days of Jesus, what we see is people giving 100%. It says in Acts that the church, the people uh, sold everything that they had. They, they shared everything with one another and they made sure that nobody had need, okay? So, so the Old Testament we see, the standard that God gives, give 10%. By the time we get to the New Testament, we see, give it all. So how do we know? What, is, what does it look like? How do I give? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> As we study the Bible and we see uh, these issues and we have questions, we need to be clear. And this is what I tell people 
Um, whenever we do a Next Steps class, for those of you that are new, Next Steps is uh, a gathering that we have at all of our campuses periodically to introduce you to Cedar Creek Church, to tell you a little bit about who we are, why we do what we do, the way we do it. And, uh, and we talk about this issue of giving. Uh, it falls under a, a, a heading of how to support the ministry of your church. And so here's kind of how I boil it down. Somewhere between nothing and everything, as God leads you, give cheerfully and generously. Let me say that again. Somewhere between nothing and everything, as God leads you, give cheerfully and generously. The Bible says that our giving should be confidential, that it should be sacrificial. Jesus taught that we should give sacrificially. If you read the story of the widow's mite, one of my favorite stories in all of scripture, and it'll just turn your mind inside out. They're sitting at the temple and people are coming and they're giving their gifts and this lady comes and she drops in uh, just like two pennies. And Jesus sees the other people who are coming and they're giving lots and lots of money and, and he says what she just did was more important than what any of them do because she gave out of her poverty. See, the problem with the, the 10% standard is, is that it becomes a, a religious test, right? Well, I'm doing my religious duty, I'm giving 10%, and, and truth be told, for some of us, 10% really isn't much of a sacrifice. For some of us, it would be an incredible stretch. And I, and I want you to understand today that, that it's not a requirement, all right? It, it's not intended uh, to, to help us feel better about ourselves, or it's not intended to make us feel guilty so that we do Something else, it was a standard God gave and then the New Testament comes along and, and the Bible says we should give cheerfully as the Lord leads us, it's between us and him. I'll just tell you this was true for Kelly and I, uh, my wife and I, when we um, started to think about and started to learn what it looked like to give biblically, uh, we, were not, um, we were not giving um, as much as we wanted to. And, and in our minds, that 10% was sort of the standard that we were shooting for. And we sat down one day and we figured it out and we were like, well, we're giving about 4%. Uh, and keep in mind, we made a whole lot more money uh, back then. Of course, we spent a whole lot more money too. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, so we were like, well, you know, we rationalized. We were like, well, you know, we serve and we do these other things and there's all these other ways that we give to God. And it, for us, it became one of those things where we were like, well, gosh, we, we wanna give more. We wanna be a part of what God is doing in and through Cedar Creek and, and we, want to, we wanna give more, but we just, we don't know how. That's not what it's all about. Listen to what Paul says. Verse seven, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Circle reluctantly and pressure. If you have a, a program that's got an outline on it, circle reluctantly and pressure. If you don't know this, let me just tell you this. Nobody at this church outside of our finance office knows what anybody gives. No pastor, no staff member other than the finance office. The only reason they know is so that they can track it and give you a contribution statement at the end of the year, but, but that's by design. We don't wanna know what anybody gives because it's not, it's not about us, right? It, it, it's between you and the Lord. Paul says, you must decide in your heart. It's between you and God. So what keeps us from living to give? There, there are a lot of reasons why we don't give. There were a lot of reasons that Kelly and I didn't give. And, and some of you, I will just say this. You, you grew up in deep religion, right? You grew up in churches that maybe use that 10% standard as a hammer. 
I have a friend that grew up in a church where they demanded 30%. And I have friends that grew up in churches where they actually had to, their parents had to bring in W-2s at the end of the year to show how much they made so that they could prove that they were giving at the rate that the church said they should. Let me, let me just tell you this. All of that is false, is a false teaching, and it's not in line with what we see in Scripture. Some of you grew up like I did with no church background, no idea about giving at all. And when it came to this issue of God and money, uh, the only thing that I knew was from a Hank Williams Jr. song that said, uh, there are some preachers on TV with a suit and a tie and a vest. They want you to send your money to the Lord, but they give you their address. <laughs> Anybody ever heard that song? It's a great song called The American Dream. I got a couple of hands. And so at that time in the 80s when this song came out when I was growing up, there was a lot of stuff and it's still going on today, right? There, there were preachers that would get on TV and they would tell you to, to send them money and, and I just remember Jim and Tammy Faye Baker as one. I, I hate calling people out, but I'm just gonna tell you when, when they got taken down, they had a doghouse that cost $350,000. Does that honor Jesus? It does not. You don't need a $52 million jet to fly around the world and, and share the gospel, right? These things are still happening today. There's, a, there's an Instagram account, if you want to have some fun, called Preachers and Sneakers, and you see some of these folks that are wearing $2,000 shoes or, or profits and watches. That's my favorite, preaching in $60,000, $100,000 watches. It's insanity. I didn't plan to say all that. I just got off a little track. Let me get back on my notes here. Listen, there have been a lot of things done in the name of Jesus that are um, not good, and maybe they've caused an issue for you where you don't want to give and don't want to do what God has called you to do to live a life of generosity. I want to encourage you today um, to rethink that and, and to repent of that and to, to put aside those things so that you can begin to experience the absolute blessing that comes with living a life of generosity, unleashing your generosity. I'm gonna give you three practical reasons that Kelly and I used to give for why we didn't give, and then I'm gonna get into what happens when we do give. The first one is this, we didn't have a plan, no plan. Maybe, maybe you don't have a plan for your money either, right? Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 21 that good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. We had no plan for our money. We made great money, but we also spent great money. Some months we spent more than what we made, and so we ended up with this, this debt, right? A, a plan for your money is called a budget, and you need to learn how to do this. If, if you've never done this, you need to sit down, and you need to figure out what you've got coming in and what you've got going out. Kelly and I went through uh, FPU, Financial Peace University. It's one of the things that we do here at Cedar Creek Church to help people understand how to be better stewards, how to be better managers of the money, of the resources that God has blessed you with. We learned how to budget. And we were introduced to the other tools that we needed to help us unleash our generosity and to learn to live to give. And so um, we didn't have a plan. We learned to have a plan. But the second reason that we uh, didn't give was that we had debt. We had lots and lots of debt. Proverbs 22, seven says, just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. You know, we, we love to talk about freedom in this country and we love to sing songs like no longer slaves, but we are slaves to the monthly payments, are we not? The credit card bills are coming in, the student loan debt is there, we've got this issue of debt. 70% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, no matter how small or how large that check is. More than half of Americans spend more than what they make and last year in South Carolina, the average consumer had $81,215 in non-mortgage consumer debt. Most of us don't have an income problem. We have an outgo problem. 
I, I don't know if that's a word. I may have just made that up. Income, money coming in, outgo, money going out. We're just going to go with it. We don't have an income problem. We have an outgo problem. We spend more than we make. Kelly and I were, were in that. And what happens is, is we ended up uh, putting way too much on credit cards and things like that. The third thing that Kelly and I did that kept us from giving was we didn't have any money in savings. Uh, we, we had no savings and, and, and we couldn't even begin to focus on giving because every time something came up, we had an emergency, we, we'd have to put it on a credit card. Proverbs 21.20 says, the wise store up choice, food and olive oil, but fools gulp down, gulp theirs down. The idea in this passage is that we should have margin, that we should build into our lives some, some buffer. We need to plan for emergencies. We don't, we don't wanna hoard anything, right? Our lives should be God blesses us and we bless others, open-handed. As he blesses us, we release that to bless other people, our time, our talents, our treasures. We can't do that if we don't have money saved. If you don't have an emergency fund and an emergency happens, because life happens, and then you, you know, the car breaks down or you need new tires and, and you gotta put it on a credit card. And the debt just continues to grow. And I'll tell you, we've been through this cycle numerous times. We've got the emergency fund and we've had to dip into it and we've spent it and we've built it back up and we had to spend it again but it's kept us from adding more debt. I don't have time to walk through all the steps of financial peace but, uh, or teach you how to be a better steward of the resources that God blesses you with, but I wanna give you three words today that have helped us greatly in understanding how to manage God's money. And this is, this is what the three words are. Give, save, spend. Give, save save, spend. If you take FPU, they're going to put numbers to that. They're going to say, give 10, save 10, live on 80. I get that. Uh, that's a standard, but again, it's not a requirement. I will just tell you that this, this is how it goes. Give as the Lord leads you to cheerfully, sacrificially, generously give. Save enough to be prepared for an emergency and then spend the rest living your life and blessing other people. Yeah. Save, give, save, spend. If you're like me and you, you struggle with money, issues and, and how to properly manage what God has blessed you with. Let me just encourage you, uh, check out an FPU class. We don't have any scheduled right now, but I talked to all the campus pastors this week and we agreed that if this is something that y'all need, uh, write FPU on the blank lines on the t next step card at the bottom of your program. Or those of you watching online, just put it in the chat. Send me info about FPU. We're going to gather that up this week and we're going to see about maybe uh, having one of those classes at the campuses coming up in the weeks ahead. If there's a great enough need, we're going to make it happen because this is an important situation and important, especially over the last year with so many people were out of work. We experienced this, you know, global pandemic that nobody saw coming and we just, you know, all of a sudden we're in a different place. So why, why does all this matter? Why should we do this? This is the, this is the big idea right here. What happens when I live to give? When you learn to unleash your generosity and you learn to live to give, this is what happens. Number one, people's needs get met and they will thank God. People's needs get met and they'll thank God. Paul says, two good things will result from the ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. Can I tell you this morning that when you give to Cedar Creek Church, people's needs get met. You can be assured that your generosity is making a kingdom difference and having an eternal impact both locally and globally. 
Your giving isn't um, just going to keep lights on and buildings open uh, so we can gather and worship and, and have times like this. Uh, as a church, I'll tell you this, we have no mortgage debt, which is a huge blessing because of those many of you, who, those who came before us who gave sacrificially to this place to pay that off. But we do have um, partners that we, that we bless and that we... Uh, uh, send money to. Uh, we have needs of staff to, so that we can create environments. This is what we're doing. We're not just getting together to have a good time, right? We're getting together and creating environments where people can come and hear the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done and to have their lives changed by the good news of the gospel and so that they can begin to live as followers of Jesus and take this message with them everywhere they go. Your generosity also goes to help people globally. Kids in Guatemala are being fed and taught about Jesus because of your generosity. Women and girls in Asia are being rescued from human trafficking, sex trafficking situations. They're given therapy, uh, they have a place to live, and they, they're learning a trade so that when they go out, they can, they can have a better life and not have to rely on being victimized anymore. The Bible is being translated into languages, languages that didn't even exist in India. Boys are being rescued from slavery in Ghana, almost 200 over the past three years. Clean water wells and filtration systems are going in all over the world in places where there is no church. Our partners go in and they not only provide clean water, but they bring the message of living water. That's what it's all about who Jesus is, what he has done, and why that gives us hope and joy. The second thing is this, God gets the glory. God gets the glory. As a result of your ministry, verse 13, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. Listen, I put this in my notes. Giving is not a salvation issue, but it is always a salvation response. Let me say that again. Giving is not a salvation issue, but it is always a salvation response. When we receive the gift of salvation, when Jesus saves us and makes us new, we begin to live in such a way that reflects him. He is a giver, and so we should be givers as well. Paul says that when we give, it proves to the world that we've been changed by Jesus. Our generosity is evidence of the gospel. That's what he says. So let me ask you this, what step do you need to take today to, to begin to unleash your generosity, to begin to use the, the gifts and talents, the time, the treasure that you have, that God has blessed you with to make an eternal difference? What does that look like in your life? Is it a first step of faith of finally trusting Jesus, beginning to walk with him? Is it a next step to connect with others and begin to grow in that relationship through a home group or to get outside of your comfort zone and begin to use the talents that you have to, to serve other people? Or is it to worship through giving? Is it to begin to get intentional about the financial resources that God has provided you so that you can unleash your generosity and experience what it's like to bless other people with the things that God has blessed you with? I don't know what it is, whatever it is that God is speaking into your life, I pray this morning that you would take a step and begin to pursue what God has for you. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for this great day. God, you woke us up this morning, you put breath in our lungs, you've given us another day of life, and we know that none of us are promised tomorrow, but you've given us today. 
And Lord, you're a good God and a loving God. And by your grace, through our faith in Jesus, we can call you our God. And you are a God who gives. Your word tells us that you love the world so much that you gave your only son, that who, whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus, you stepped out of heaven and came to this earth on a rescue mission for sinners like me, for sinners like us, to make a way for us that we couldn't make for ourselves. You lived a life that was without sin and you died a death on a cross, taking the penalty of our sin and our shame upon yourself. You gave your very life and you died and you were buried. But just as you said was gonna happen, three days later, you rose again in victory over Satan's sin and death. You're reigning and ruling right now at the right hand of the Father. And one day you're coming back and none of us know when that is. But until that day or until you call us to be with you, I pray that you would help us to be people of generosity that we would reflect your heart and bless those around us by the blessing that you have given us. Lord, help us today to take steps of faith, to become more like you, Jesus. That's, that's the goal that you have for us, is to make us more like you. I pray that we would do that today. It's in your mighty name we pray, amen.